Welcome to Different From The Other Kids, a weekly talk show for parents with challenging children with host Angela Sunis, a parent whose teen was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Each episode, Angela will have a discussion with an individual or professional within the mental health community. Different from the other kids, season one, a production of Marketing Maven. Today on Different from the Other Kids, we're speaking to Wendy. Wendy's a psychotherapist and the mother of a young woman diagnosed with bipolar. Wendy holds a postgraduate degree in psychology and in education. She brings with her 30 years of experience in counseling and training. She utilizes her expert knowledge to help us take the positive from one situation, no matter what the circumstance is. Wendy is also, or has been in the past at least, uh, my counselor and has helped me immensely. I owe her a great uh, gratitude. So uh, please welcome today on the show, Wendy. Okay. Describe the two or three most effective things a parent can do to support your child. What came to mind, and this is sort of an umbrella concept, I guess, but it's recognizing that your child is not going to be like you. I think as parents, we tend to assume that our children are going to be like little mini-me's to some degree, and usually our children are, mm-hmm. because between genetics and, and um, nur- you know, nurture-nature, mm-hmm. genetics and, and socialization, we raise our children, and they're genetically somewhat alike. So our children, we kind of know what to expect. We can say, oh, yeah, I was like that when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, you know, her dad did that when he was that age, or, you know. Because we've lived with those issues or traits or problems or whatever, you know, if I had if I had that in my background or my sister, you know, had that problem or whatever, we, we're comfortable, more comfortable with things that someone else might find really problematic. But if you suddenly add a, a mental illness into the mix, now if it's in your family and you're, you know, if, you, if mom has it or if sister has it or whatever, then obviously this doesn't apply. But I think it's, it can really um, alter your expectation of what, what parenthood is and what kind of, you start judging kind of a parent am I that my child, you know, is so out of control or so difficult or whatever, especially prior to diagnosis. You just don't understand, right? But I think that, for me, is a really important place to start, and, and especially once you have the diagnosis, to, to, uh, to acknowledge that you're parenting a child that you don't always understand, that doesn't always sort of make sense, that you're not, that you're not comfortable with. You yeah, know? I'm, not, yeah. I'm not comfortable with this behavior. I never did this. Right. You know, my husband never did this. Right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, I think that was a really important Absolutely. starting point. Absolutely. I, I, I think I say that um, at one point, you know, you look at it, and I kept thinking, I broke my child. How did I break her? Yeah. I did, I did, I've done something catastrophically wrong. That's true. Yeah. 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 So that was, that was, that was my experience. Yeah. But I, it's really important to embrace, you know, the gift that you're given, to believe that there is some reason. You know, there's a, I tend to think that there's sort of a, that things happen for a reason, and that, that we're meant to be together. And it may not, you know, may not be easy, but it's meaningful. And to, to kind of start from that point, 
as opposed to looking at it as a negative, as a, you know, why is my kid doing this? Why do I have to do it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> why me? All my other friends have normal kids. Mm -hmm. um, but to see it as, a, as a, an opportunity, as a gift, as something full of potential and, and, uh, and meaningful. Wow, that's great. In your practice, when you're uh, working as a psychotherapist, have you dealt with a lot of bipolar people? No, not a lot. Not I mean, lot. some, but not a lot. And typically, I've worked with individuals that are that are stable, that are medicated, oh, okay. stable, okay. and seeing me for the same reasons anyone else would see me. Okay. So I don't really have a sort of a psychiatric background that I don't no. typically deal with people that are that are you know in the early stages of getting stabilized. Okay. So I just want to make sure I'm clear and respectful of. Mm -hmm. Your daughter is bipolar. Yes. Is that okay? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I just want to be yeah. really clear because yeah. I don't. I was the last thing I want is to not be clear on how it's being portrayed. If you could prevent parents from making one single big common mistake, what would it be? And I'm not sure these are you know these are just general thoughts I have, but with that is maybe the big common mistake. Or I don't know, but um, but what came to mind was to focus on the person, not the illness. But I was trying to think, there's a great quote, you know, what's important, you, you may be able to track this quote down, it's really lovely, uh, if I can think of it. It's not so important what illness the person has, but what person has the illness. You know, the person who has the illness, not the illness that the person has. I haven't come across that one yet. And it's, uh, oh, I don't know, God knows who said it. I mean, could have been Hippocrates, I don't know, it's it that old. I mean, it's, it's a really, anyway. Okay. You could probably track it down. Yeah, yeah, probably. I could probably Google it. Yeah, and I think that's really, really essential. What I have seen happen with clients here, I said I wasn't going to talk about clients, but people's lives get really can get really bogged down once they get the diagnosis because everyone then begins saying, oh, you're bipolar. You know, oh, well, you did that because you're bipolar. Oh, well, you know, I won't even talk to you about this because you're bipolar. It's it's like, hold on, I'm a person, yeah. you know, and suddenly it becomes a nice, neat um, excuse. It becomes a way of blaming. It becomes a way of avoiding. It becomes, you know, everything gets put in that box, and it can actually cause problems. Mm -hmm. The diagnosis then becomes, you know, an issue in itself. So I think that's, you know, even as a parent, it's, you know, it, it's like you begin just seeing the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. You know, she's doing this because she's bipolar. Maybe she's not eating well. <laughs> right. Maybe she's tired. Right. Maybe, you know, maybe that's just who she is as a person. Not, you know, everything isn't isn't because she's bipolar. Problem right. equals bipolar. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Okay, that's great. Your perspective is... A little different. It's a little <laughs> different because of, because of your yeah. background, because of uh, who you are and what you've experienced and your professional association with it. It's, wow. Thank you. Yeah. Good. This Good. I'm glad. This okay. is great. And you might, you know, that you could say that I'm speaking primarily as a parent, as a parent, but because of my background, I have a different right. perspective. Yes, I would. Yeah. The most common misperception, and I, what came to mind with that question was, because I really, I remember struggling with this, is that I was told by Emma's doctor, Dr. Brigham, that, well, she said it to both of us actually in a session, but she said, you do not have to apologize. You do not have to apologize. Because Emma would go into rages and say horrible things and break things and right, just generally it's like ah, like she'd flip out and get violent. This is in adolescence. She did this early adolescence actually, and of course now she just I don't know. I mean, she still will bring it up and say I'm so sorry. It was really good for her to hear it. It was good for me to hear it. It was that wasn't you. It was your illness. 
and you don't have to apologize for your illness. To me, that's, you know, if, if you can't help it, like if I had an epileptic seizure while I'm sitting here, fortunately I'm not epileptic, but let's say I was, and let's say I have a seizure, do I have, do I owe you an apology? It's not pleasant for you. You're not going to enjoy it. Do I owe you an apology? <laughs> that is so different from what it is that I have been reading all the way across the board, which is you really need to take responsibility for what it is that you have done during that period of time when you may have been uh, not exactly right. Because as much mm -hmm. as this mm -hmm. is as much as this is your illness, okay, and it also is. It, yeah. it also but that's is a, that's taking a, responsibility. I, and I and I also agree. You do take responsibility. Mm -hmm. After I have my seizure, I'm going to fix the chair. I'm going to make you a fresh cup of tea. I'm going to. I mean, I'm likely going to apologize anyway mm -hmm. because I'm polite. Um, and I want to make you feel comfortable, mm -hmm. but I do not feel shame. There it is. Thank yeah. You. So it's the uh, it's it, it's it's layers, you know. Socially and behaviorally, yes, you have to take responsibility. You can't just be a bull in a china shop and say I'm sick, man, man. You know, <laughs> you can't do that. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, we don't want people to do that. We have to live with whatever you know we have, warts and all, and and live with it and be responsible. But at a deep level. Um, no, it, it, it looks at the, the issue of shame, you know, there's, there's, there's something profoundly not okay with me because, you know, I threw a table at my mother. What kind of person would do that? Well, you know, a person having a rage attack because she's sick, a person having a seizure, you know, what kind of person would, you know, fall out of their chair and kick their friend, you know, mm -hmm. somebody having a seizure, mm -hmm. you know, so it's, um... That really spins it off for me in a different uh, direction. Yeah, but I think every person that has ever because it's a, it's absolute. I yeah, just, it's it's never never heard it put like that before. But I think you're right. It does. It's important, and I'm glad you brought that up. That you it, you know you, it's not black and white. You don't just say, well, you know, fuck everybody. I can do whatever I want. I'm bipolar. And I have to apologize. You know, yeah. it's not that either. Okay. So certainly the responsibility is there. But yeah, that was. What are the top three telltale signs that parents should be looking for? I mean, I think there's a lot of kids wandering around right now that um, could use a hand in this regard, and they're they're just ma they're, yeah. they're being. It looks like they're just being badly behaved. Yeah, but they're not. Well, uh, I was. I ran a behavior management program before I became a psychotherapist for individuals with severe behavior problems. And so I'm pretty skilled at behavior management when it comes to children and, you know, problem behaviors. I mean, I'm probably as skilled as anybody. Mm -hmm. And I was a total failure with my own daughter. <laughs> I mean, total failure. And, I, I mean, I remember the day a girlfriend said to me, well, you know, Patty, why don't you try uh, rewarding positive behaviors and, and ignoring? And I just looked at her like, are you nuts? Do you have any idea how hard I work at this, right? And, you know, and, and um, she wasn't very old. Like, she was maybe in grade two or grade one or something, I guess, when I looked at her and thought, you know, there's something wrong. Like, there's really something wrong. I mean, I've worked with some pretty difficult individuals. You know, I mean, social learning is pretty consistent, you know? It didn't work for her. It didn't matter what it was. It didn't work. And I knew there was something wrong. Now, that was, you know, let's say she was six, and it took until 28 before I got a diagnosis. But I took her to lots of doctors and lots of therapists and... You know, I'm sad to say no one could figure out what it was for all those mm -hmm, decades, mm -hmm. which is pretty horrible, but... 
They're only getting a grip of it, I think, in the last four or five yeah. six and years, I, even, that yeah. they seem to be able to do that with children. Yeah. They weren't, the, they weren't doing it before, and they present and the, differently. Yeah, and the manic phase, she doesn't, she's never had a manic phase. Oh. Which is really odd. Yeah. You know, so she'll say, I'm bipolar, but I never have mania, and people look at her. <laughs> what makes you bipolar, don't ask. But, you know, it's very confusing. Yeah. But anyway, um, but I knew there was something, and actually that diagnosis didn't exist then early onset bipolar with rage. Mm -hmm. I forget when it came into being, but it didn't exist when she was little. But anyway, that would be my first clue, okay. is just a, as a parent, a gut feeling that, that yeah, there's something gut about it, but when you're observing that normal rewards, consequences, and ignoring of behavior, like that typically works yes. with all human beings, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't work, you're dealing with something that is beyond. I mean, I can now see that she couldn't control it. Right. She she was way beyond that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The other thing that um, now this is something that that I've I use when I'm really loosely screening people that I think might be bipolar before I send them <laughs> to yes. jail. Yes. Um. But um, I often have them keep a calendar where okay. so yeah. you, you just get a calendar and you sit you do you track two things you track really bad events and really good events, right? So, you know, the kid just got to be in the lead in the school play, tomorrow's her birthday, and, you know, wonderful thing, whatever. So you got the really good events, track the really bad events, fell and broke her arm, I don't know, whatever. Didn't get the lead in the play, whatever. But you, So you track those, and then you track her moods up and down. What happens, I can show you on a piece of paper, because it's really simple, but it's, what happens over time, this is time along here, what happens is, this would be true for you or me, right? Mm -hmm. So our moods are going to go like this and like this and like this, mm -hmm. right? Having a really good day because it's my birthday, and then I lose my job, <laughs> and I'm having a really bad day, right? Mm -hmm. If you're bipolar, this stuff gets completely ignored, right? So there's a timeline, and it's every three weeks. Every three weeks, I cycle up and then down, and then up and then down, and then up. And it's on a three-week cycle. And it doesn't matter. Like if I'm down and I won the lottery, uh, it doesn't matter. I'm down. Right. I and the difficulty is, I guess the difficulty is that each each bipolar cycles differently. Yeah. The, so the, you've got to figure, you've got to take your calendar and be able to see a cycle. Right. But it's not even seeing the cycle because... It's it's seeing that the cycle does not correlate with good or bad events, right? Okay. Because that will tell you, you know, like if it's if it's a, if something wonderful has happened, you just won the lottery mm -hmm. and you're depressed. Right. It's it's like your brain chemistry doesn't care. Right. Okay. It doesn't care that you've just it's your birthday and you've just yeah got a pony. I mean, yeah. it's just you know, <laughs> it's like so. Okay. So that's another really, and, and it's a great tool, you know, if you do that for, I don't know, six months approximately, um, you'll, you'll, and take that. That's fantastic. It's be really. That's very helpful. I think that'll be really helpful for a lot of people. So those are the two things. That that's fantastic. Every professional. That's, that's so helpful. These are, these know. are so, these are all unique things. I mean, I've heard of. Uh, keeping a calendar for moods for when they're already diagnosed as bipolar to try and help them, mm. to help the doctor be able to prescribe mm. and things like that. But using that, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's, that's what Jill uses. 
That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's Jill's. But, I mean, I, I sent a client to her, a teenager that I thought might be bipolar, and she, it, she just couldn't tell. I mean, it just, mm-hmm. you know. And she said, she said, go keep this calendar for six months, come back and see me. She said, then we'll know. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's really, That's yeah. fantastic. Top three strategies for parent in settling their household. Obviously, order, as opposed to chaos or stress, is really, really important. It's always important. It's important for all of us. But it's particularly important for someone who is struggling emotionally, emotionally sensitive, or um, in this case, with an emotional illness. So today, nobody, it, it's not normal to have order. <laughs> like Chaos, chaotic households are so normal these days. Everybody is you know, working extra hours and working odd shifts and it just seems that everybody's under stress, you know, mm-hmm. bringing work home with them. We've accepted that as the norm. So we live in a culture where a chaotic, stressful household is normal. It's really sort of an act of rebellion to parent in a way that's abnormal, which is calm and grounded and orderly with some space in between activities, some space in between expectations. Actually, I think that's fabulous for the parent as well. It's just hard to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it is a bit of an act of rebellion. Mm-hmm. Say, no, we're, we're not doing something, you know, every evening. No, we're not. We're going to sit and talk, have mm-hmm. a leisurely dinner, play a board game. What? You know? <laughs> or whatever. That's but unheard of. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Another would be setting appropriate expectations. Dealing with your own, you know, expectations are often, for our children, are often expectations based on our own needs so dealing beginning to separate out but setting up a you know what's good for the kid a healthy expectation for the child as opposed to you know your needs and wishes and isn't that absolute wanting to kind of and actually it's a really lovely sensitive parenting technique to tune into your kid and say what are you thinking what are you feeling what what do you prefer you know I mean, if you know, it, it's exhausting, which is why yeah. you wouldn't say every parent should always do this. Yes. But you have to if you've got you know a sensitive child that needs that. Yes. That whose moods and needs change from day to day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like if you've got a if you're recovering from a you know a broken ankle or something. Yeah, you need to say, how much weight can I put on this foot? How long can I walk for? How's it feel today? You're not just going to get up and run a marathon. That's, yeah. a really, that's, a good, that's a really great example. And finally, but the, since you asked for three, third mm-hmm. strategy would be to look after yourself because you are the foundation of this system, this support system. And as the foundation, you crumble everything, you know, the rest of the building crumbles as well. So self-care is really critical, so you've got the ability to to do the support. That's fantastic. So that's yeah. That's very helpful. Thank you. Okay. Good. Greatest challenge. Well, obviously the greatest challenge is is their their illness. You know, that's I would have to say that mm-hmm. is actually managing it. But I think close behind that comes the price they pay, having to focus on their illness as or live out the consequences of their illness as a result of doing what children do. So what, you know, if you didn't have this illness, what would you be doing? And I think there's often gaps in normal development. So, you know, age-appropriate, normal developmental skills. It may be academic, it may be social, it may be um, social-emotional, but there's, there's all of, you know, throughout childhood where children are learning and growing at a rapid pace. 
and they get sidelined if their brain um, isn't functioning. <laughs> you know, you need your brain to develop. So all the things that don't develop normally. My daughter often says that, you know, even though she's well, well into her adulthood, there's still things developmentally that she hasn't, you know, she didn't learn, she that she would have learned as a teenager, but she didn't learn. You know, things that are just missing that mm -hmm. got that got got kind of passed by. The good news is that that once the brain is stable, we can learn developmental tasks that got skipped really quickly as we get older. Like like once you're past the age where you learn that, you can learn it much more quickly once you're ready to learn it. So you, it's not like well, you know, I've got six it's years lost. to catch up on, or even though I've got six okay. years to catch up yeah. on. Oh my God, that's going to be 2019. You know, yeah. it doesn't. It's not going to take six years. Okay. It's um, but it's important to kind of look at those sort of ages and stages, see what's been kind of neglected. I also think another major challenge is um, self-esteem. Oh, isn't that so? Yeah. So we're going back to the whole, you know, the whole thing of shame around the diagnosis that there's, you know, I did bad things, I acted inappropriately, I must be a bad person. Mm -hmm. It's, it's prevalent. Yeah. It just keeps coming. Yeah. yeah. And I know I just, you know, uh, I don't have a lot of bipolar clients, but uh, I have a, a lot of ADHD clients because mm -hmm. that's really, really common. Mm -hmm. And ev I think every person I've ever met who has ADHD, ADD, or learning disabilities has self-esteem issues. Absolutely. And they all believe they're stupid. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's horrible. Absolutely. But, you know, that's what happens is we get, we, we get messages and we're so, you know, the brain is so um, young. I mean, it's not developed. When, when we're little, we're, you know, everything's very black and white and very emotionally driven. And so if you're doing something as a child that's bad, you, you believe that you're bad. And, uh, you, you know, and then you hold that. Because mm -hmm. our self-esteem, the core of it, is established in childhood. So I think everybody should do self-esteem work, you know, really work very actively on correcting those core beliefs. Oh, yes. That's why Arthur was so important to me. Yeah. And it was, I think we only met six times or so. Completely. I know. He's, it's amazing. It's like an unbelievable. It, it just cleared, it cleared so much out of, out of my, I can... The concentration that I'm capable of now, compared, I didn't even know I couldn't concentrate to the no. extent that I wasn't. Yeah. It's it, it's really an amazing thing. I tell people about it all the time. Nobody ever wants to come forward with it, but that's okay. It's yeah. just I think it's it's own little. He's got his own little medical miracle going on there because that's yeah. really amazing. Yeah. Well, people are, you know, people are are. Uh, he's getting busier. So Good. I'm glad to hear that. In. But I'm glad to hear because I do. I talk about it because it was so effective yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I do. Only to those, of course, that are ready to hear it. Anyway, well, that's yeah. good to hear. Yes. I'll pass that on to him. Okay, I guess the, the last thing that I would say is that we all have strengths and weaknesses. And we all have to learn to love ourselves and enjoy life and, and get out there using our strengths. And everybody has, you know has warts or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody has weaknesses or issues or problems or there's no such thing as a perfectly balanced human being that doesn't have some problem, some issue, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, whatever. And we tend, I think there's a tendency to focus on, you know, where we're the weakest. 
Like, like you wake up in the morning thinking, oh, I've got that problem. <gasps> you know, I've got that problem. And we just zoom in on the problem. And then that sets your sort of vibrational tone, your emotional tone, the rest of the day. It just sets, it's kind of like saying, well, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be, you know, negative and worried and frustrated <laughs> because I'm not perfect. Um, and I'm not saying we shouldn't address our weaknesses or our issues, but we shouldn't focus on them. Mm -hmm. And we really need to focus on our strengths because we all have gifts. You should be able to get up and say, you know, this is my gift, and today I'm going to soar, I'm going to enjoy it, I'm going to be joyful, I'm going to use it, I'm going to be full of love for myself because I have this gift. And, oh, yeah, I'm a bit of an idiot when it comes to that. But that's okay, you know. It's like, I'm not saying ignore it, but it shouldn't be the focus. And I think we, if we raise our children knowing that, um, that really frees them to live that way. That's fantastic. And I guess that's it. Okay, that's and, uh, wonderful. Thank you so much. My pleasure. That that's was fun. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. And please, review our podcast on iTunes. Hey everyone, don't forget to follow Different From The Other Kids on Facebook and Twitter. We have a book on Amazon.com of all of these interviews. Thanks for all your support. We'll see you next week. And now a disclaimer. In general, I, Angela Sunis, am not a doctor and I certainly don't play one on the internet. I am not even that well educated. I'm a parent, period. The advice from me presented on Different From The Other Kids does not replace advice received directly from a medical health professional. If you think you need help, I do recommend making an appointment with your physician or other appropriate health care provider. Thanks for listening to Different from the Other Kids. Made possible with the support of Deborah Kenny Jewelry. Jewelry meant to inspire. You can find them online at www.debrakennyjewelry.com Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Different from the other kids. Season 1. A production of Marketing Maven.